0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Well, he's back in the bullpen today. We got Christian Daytock, White House correspondent for the Washington Examiner, really great person. He has experience as a journalism professional, wide range of editorial and business roles, including campaign reporter, editor, And the list goes on and on. He also led the Daily Callers White House team, which included total oversight over print and video original reporting and aggregated news coverage. All right, impressive resume. Christian, thank you for being back on the show. How are you?
1: I'm great Dr. Richie, great to be back with you. And uh, it's excited to talk about some Georgia politics for a change.
0: Let's talk about it because Georgia politics will interplay with the national narrative a lot. So obviously, you have your US Senate race that's going down. We're gonna see what happens with Senator Raphael Warnock. The reason why he's back up is because he won in a special election. And so he's back up quickly to run for re-election that will have national attention. Stacey Abrams, national figure now. I've known Stacey for years, great person. She's been on my radio show many times. Stacey Abrams made it official, she's running for governor. There's nobody in a Democratic primary in the state of Georgia that can beat her. I hope no one tries, to be quite honest with you, okay? Now, the other side, however, on the Republican ticket, you got your incumbent. You have your incumbent Republican governor, Brian Kemp. He is being challenged by former Senator Perdue. You also have the clown show known as Vernon Jones. So you got a lot happening here. I predict. This will be the most brutal Republican primary in the United States of America for a gubernatorial race. How do you see this?
1: I think you're right, Dr. Ritchie. And it's not only those three players who are really gonna be determining the outcome of that primary. But let's not forget about the elephant in the room, You know, pardon my, my poor joke there. But of course, it's former President Donald Trump himself. Right. Brian Kemp has basically been public enemy number one. On Trump's list since he left the White House, of course, he blames Kemp and Secretary of State Raffensperger for failing to "quote unquote" decertify the results of the of the fraud in the 2020 election, as Trump calls it. And he's spent the last several months, 10, 11 months, attacking Brian Kemp and promising to back any primary challengers who might run in 2022. We know Vernon Jones has become. You know, a for, he was a former Democrat. He's become a staunch Trump loyalist. He might play a factor in this, but it's the entrance of former Senator David Perdue, which I think is turning a lot of heads. And the polling that I've seen, the Georgia Republican experts who I've spoken to still think in a head to head, Brian Kemp will beat Stacey Abrams, but there's serious doubt that he's even going to make it past Perdue. There's polling out there now from Trafalgar and I believe Fox News that show with Trump's endorsement. Purdue actually becomes a prohibitive favorite in that primary race. Now I have spoken to some other Republicans who believe that this might hurt Republicans down the line once they get to the face off with Abrams come November. Uh, There's a lot of bad blood again amongst Republicans regarding the 2020 election. Obviously the MAGA crowd believes it's the crime of the century, probably the, the worst thing, at least since the Russia scandal in former President Trump's mind. But there's a very distinct possibility that Trump poisons the minds of some of these more moderate Republicans. They think it's such a dirty race and they won't turn out to vote for Purdue come November when he faces off against Abrams. So the most of the Republicans that I'm speaking to view this as a very tenuous situation. Uh, They think the the Senate race against uh, sitting Senator Warnock is a little bit more of a slam dunk. Of course, Trump is endorsing uh, former UGA football star Herschel Walker, who is sort of like a folk hero to some people down in those parts. Uh, that race, they're happy to have the, the former president's endorsement and his you know, cast more importantly playing the race. But the governor's one is when they want him staying down in Mar-Lago.
0: Yeah, this is gonna be really interesting. So uh, excuse my phraseology, I know you're a journalist. You don't write things like this, uh, but Kemp made a deal with the devil. So when he was running, for governor the first time he was in a highly contested Republican primary in Georgia. There was a guy named Casey Cagle. Casey Cagle was the lieutenant governor at the time. Casey Cagle was leading in all of the polling data, okay? Casey Cagle was a moderate Republican. And by and large, the gubernatorial election in Georgia was separate from the national political landscape. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes Trump with his endorsement of the then Secretary of State Brian Kemp to become governor of Georgia. What happened? The scales went like this, immediately Kemp became the front runner by double digits in that Republican primary, but he made a deal. He made a deal with Trump and he got that endorsement. He gets the endorsement and after he gets the endorsement, then. Johnny Isaacson, the US senator out of Georgia, he says, I'm not going to run for re-election, um, he has some health challenges, he leaves. Well, Trump said appoint Doug Collins, Kemp did not appoint Doug Collins. Kemp appointed, and this is allowed by Constitution of Georgia, he appointed Kelly Loeffler. That's when you started to see the crack in their relationship. And I don't think, and correct me if you think I'm wrong. I don't think Trump ever forgave Kemp of that one action.
1: I think you're probably right and he has a long memory, he's known to hold grudges. And it's interesting that you brought up former Senator Kelly Leffler in this, because according to you know, the laws of the Georgia Republican Party, she was somewhat of a moderate herself right. until she started having to you know run against Uh, Senator Ossoff uh, for the 2020 election. Now what's interesting and this will actually, I'm sorry, I believe she ran against Senator Warnock, uh, pardon me. But what's, what's interesting about this and this is why I bring it up. You talked about the fractured state of the Republican Party in Georgia. This is going to be sort of a bellwether assessment for whether or not in my opinion, Trump runs in 2024. Does he still 10 months, 11 months, I guess 11 months in a year, once the voting happens in November, does he still have the same sway over the Republican Party as he did when he was in the White House? Now, if one of his guys win in these Georgia races, whether it's for the governor or for that Senate seat, I think there's a good chance he does run in 2024. But some Trump world insiders who I've spoken to, we all know that there's nothing he hates more than being a loser or suffering some type of public humiliating defeat on the national stage. If it's clear that he doesn't have sway over Georgia Republican voters. Traditionally, one of the most reliable voting blocks in the the better part of modern politics on the national stage. There's no way he's going to face off against either an incumbent President Joe Biden or perhaps a Vice President Harris or even a Secretary Buttigieg. Should he get the, the nom from the powers that be in the Democratic Party? This is not only important for the state of 2022. And Georgia politics, this has massive implications for 2024.
0: You know, I agree with your sentiment 100%. But look at it in this context as well. Trump has already proven he's not as effective as others think he is, right? So he proved he can't carry Georgia because he didn't. He didn't carry what is known to be a dependable red state. But if you look across the map, he lost states that traditionally a Republican would have won, he lost them, all right? So he's already proven that he's not as effective in a general election campaign as he may be in a primary. At some point, people have to start connecting the dots, right? Your ultimate goal is not to win a primary. It's great if you got some people that can influence a primary, but if they can't win a general election, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, this democracy works by who wins in the general, not who wins in the primary. So he's already proven. And this is why he gets the benefit of such a soft narrative with Republicans. He's he has already proven he's ineffective at winning general elections. He lost as an incumbent president. Now he's tricking people. Some are being tricked by him saying, "Oh, it was stolen from me." You know, we know that's bull. You know, nobody stole anything. You lost. You lost as an incumbent president. That's rare, but you pulled it off. You did it. So he loses, right? Here's what else he lost: down ballot. He lost down ballot seats. He did that to the Republican Party, and guess what else he lost? You know how many county commissioners who were Republicans that lost because of Trump? Sheriffs and DAs who lost because of Donald Trump and, they're, and them are their brand to Trump? It's across the board, this guy has a negative impact on general election standards, all right? However, he has been able to avoid the narrative and the brand. Of his negative impact on general elections because everyone has to keep defending the malarkey of voter fraud or somebody stole the election from me. So we can't even get stories about the details of how disastrous this guy was politically to the Republican Party. I'm
1: glad you brought that point up because that sort of underscores what some of the Republican officials both local and national are telling me. It was clear the impact that Trump had in the Senate runoffs in January. He basically told Republican voters, there's no way to know if your vote will be counted properly. Yep. You might might as well not show up, turn that down the line. I'm curious to see the impact that President Biden has in this election. And I know this is not exactly what we were talking about before. But Stacey Abrams was, was instrumental to President Biden's win in Georgia. I That's we right. I'll agree on that. That being said, the general approval numbers of the president at this point in time. And who knows what happens between now and next November. But as it is right now, President Biden, the polling I'm looking at, is shown to be significantly less popular than he was when he entered office. And when you know uh, uh, former House Speaker Abrams was, was campaigning for him down in Atlanta. I wonder if she will sort of hold him at arm's length. Given the popularity she has in the state, given the the, the national spotlight that she has on her at, at all point in time, you know, since 2018, will she be able to have her own gravitas and win this thing on her own? When traditional wisdom would tell you, of course, you want the president, the sitting president to come in and, and campaign during a midterm election. I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out down the line. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this subject too.
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head. If you look at her first campaign video, when she came out the gate, She made it very Georgia centric. Mm -hmm. She didn't really do that the first time she ran a very national campaign contextualized in a state status and that's how she. Was able to become a national sensation while at the same time energizing the base. There's something to be said about national campaigns and local races. The energy is very tangible, right? And you get a lot of money and a lot of earned media, which operate like commercials for you in your district and beyond. So she was able to pull that off. The national brand of the Democratic Party was much better than what it is now, mainly because of how horrible the Republican brand was. If you look at that commercial brother, I think She has clearly sent a signal that says, I am running a campaign outside of the national atmosphere of democratic politics. And I'm going to laser focus, hyperserve the constituents of Georgia. I think that's what she laid out in her video.
1: And that's sort of a winning message we've seen from Democrats yeah. recently. You talk about the more progressive members in the house, whether it's Ayanna Presley or Al Jundra cortez Rashida Tlaib. They all focus hypersensitively mm-hmm. on those small communities where they come from. That's uh, and right. obviously once once you get in office, that's a totally different story. And But in terms of winning campaigns, that appears to be a winning message for Democrats in just about every race other than obviously the 2020 general election. That was
0: about coronavirus and <laughs> right. nothing else. So let me tell you what I think is going to happen in this Republican primary. Um I don't I don't know who wins, right? I don't know if Kemp wins. I don't even know if he is going to run for re-election. There's a rumor that he may not even run for re-election. Not because he doesn't want to, but but because he wants to. However, the way Republicans have treated his family, okay? Because of his beef with Trump publicly, He doesn't know, according to my sources, if he wants to put his family through that again. And don't you find it really ironic that he's getting much of his political pushback and his personal attacks, not from other Democrats, but from other Republicans inside of his party. But I think whoever emerges as the victor, they're going to be so battered and and bruised by the process that they will be a weakened individual in the general election. And to some degree, the Democrat who will be Stacey Abrams. That camp can run commercials of what the other Republicans have said about that Republican in order to suppress the Republican base and deflate the excitement from Republican voters.
1: I'm gonna do you one better. I'm not so sure should Brian Kemp win the primary that former President Trump doesn't start sending out emails. Telling people to go vote for Stacey Abrams
0: (laughs) because Brian
1: Kemp is so corrupt. He's
0: already kind of said that in one speech. Exactly, exactly.
1: And uh, that is the type of person and politician that former President Trump is. He holds a grudge and he is spiteful. I wouldn't put it past him tanking this thing for Republicans. Should his guy not emerge from the primary.
0: You know, I caught you on that one when you 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 almost said President Trump. He had to say former <laughs> President Trump. Usually you do always call them president, but because this guy still thinks he's the president and other people still believe he's the president, we who have broadcast platforms, we have to intentionally always say former president as it relates to Trump when, you know, that wasn't a thing before. Okay, my man, it's always a pleasure having you on indisputable breaking down the nuance of politics. How can people follow your great work?
1: You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at talk radio, TOC radio. And go check out my work on the WashingtonExaminer.com. Dr. Richie, thanks as always.
0: Always a pleasure brother, thank you for being on the show. Always great to see you.